worship with you. Glad you showed up in this crazy weather. Uh, will you stand with us and we're going to worship him this morning.
song for you guys this week. It's called We Praise You. I'm just going to read the first verse here. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. You know, it just amazes me when it comes to praise and worship, when we praise and worship Him and just get out of the way and let that highway open up for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. It just, it's just amazing. Let's sing this together.
Let's, let's pray together. God, we stand um, humble in your presence. Um, so aware of who you are, God, that you are the mighty God of the universe. You're the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. God, that you're the one who made us and knows us. And God, you, um, you know every aspect of what's going on in our lives right now. God, you know the, the hurt and the heartache that we bring. God, you know the joy and the excitement that we have. God, you love us and take joy in us. That's such, such a powerful thing. God, we thank you for Jesus, that he made it possible for us to talk to you and to be your daughters and your sons and to be able to worship, to call you daddy. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. Happy snow day, right? Uh, Isaiah 1, I just love, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. God, God washes it all. Uh, cool stuff. Hey, we're glad you're here, and God's, uh, God is just going to do some cool stuff in the next few minutes. If you would, go ahead and take a second, and at the end of the pews on the left-hand side, there's a little black book. If you would, take that out and fill that out, and then just pass it to your right. That would be great. We love to know who's here so that we know when you're not here, if that makes any sense, uh, so that uh, we can just kind of keep track of what's going on. And there um, in the book, there's a spot where you can mark if, you, if you'd like more information about some aspect of ministry, if you've got a special need, if you have a prayer request, you can, or you can write that down um, anywhere on there, and that'll get to the office. We'll take care of that. We'll respond to you, and that would be great. So, so glad you can do that and be a part of it. If you're watching online, because you're afraid of the snow, um, <laughs> we're glad that you're with us. Glad you can. Glad that we have the technology that you can be a part of it. Um, it you can actually send a text with the word guest to 833-CHAT-NCC, 833-242-8622. And uh, we'll send you a link, and you can let us know that you're watching from home, too. Please do that right now. Get up off the couch. Get your phone. Do it now. All right? Uh, great. Um, Hey, you know, as, as a church, um, we're all about helping all people move towards a life fully, to, uh, fully devoted to Jesus. That's everything that we do tries to accomplish that. There's something cool that you need to know about as the body. This coming uh, weekend, we've got about 20 kids that are going to the winter retreat. And I just would ask today that you would spend a little bit of time praying for them this week. Pray that God would speak to them, that they would experience God's presence in a, in a really cool way, in a powerful way and that God would do some cool stuff through them, and that might impact the body as well. Uh, we hope that you came kind of in your mindset ready to give, ready to um, give back to God. We're in a series called Always Hustling, where we've been talking about giving your first fruits, about being a, a good steward, about managing well, uh, and, uh, and about um, having margins so that you can do that. Today we finished that series, but um, in the context of that series, I just want to encourage you to give and to give generously to God. If you came ready to give, uh, cash or check, there's some boxes at the back. If you'd like to give electronically, if you've never done that before, you can send a text to 833-242-8622 with the word give. We'll send you a link and, uh, and you can do that. You can set that up for a one-time gift or for a recurring gift as well. 
got a couple of things before we jump into the message that are cool. Um, today is Chris Carter's last Sunday on staff here at North Point, and we want to kind of celebrate that. So Chris, come on up here. Um, we're going to just spend a second praying in just a second, um, but I want you all to express your... Come up here, yeah. Uh, we'll put you down there in a second. Uh, yeah. You want to say anything? I can. I can lean into your face and talk. Into my what? I can lean into your face and talk. Oh, that... Uh, go ahead. <laughs> that was awkward, and that's on... That's on. That was live. Uh, that's okay. okay right. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we have, cut, we have uh, some things to just express our appreciation. Chris has been on staff at North Point for 11 and a half years. He's, con he's concluding his pastoral ministry here. God's leading him into a new ministry with uh, Marketplace Chaplains. And so he'll be out in, um, in amongst you all uh, doing the work of God in businesses around the, the state. I was going to say the nation, but not yet. Um, Jake, come on up. We've got, a, we've got a, a couple of gifts that we would like to give. The f Let me talk about the first one for this one first. Um, Back, back in the atrium, out on that side, there, uh, there's a little figurine that we have for Emily that just, uh, I think, captures who she is. There's a mug for Chris, too, that says, Nacho, not, nacho Average Pastor. <laughs> um, uh, this, this plaque is for Emily. It has uh, lyrics to uh, her favorite song. All my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And uh, I'll tell you more about that in a second. And then this one for Chris that says, you want to see it? Yeah. Pastor Chris Carter, and it's got like hours served, groups grown, students reached, marriages impacted, a whole bunch of stuff. And um, we, want, uh, we want you to just take some time and out in the atrium, if you would sign a note on the back or if you want to do it um, on a piece of paper for him, there's an opportunity to do that after the service today. So do that. Uh, we hope you love that. I love that. All right. And uh, now you can go down front. Okay. We want to... Uh, um, <laughs> um, we want to we just uh, prayer, pray a prayer of blessing on him. So... Uh, uh, life group leaders, elders, whoever, come on down. Anybody that wants to come down and just kind of lay your hands on Chris, you can push him down hard um, uh, or lay your hands on whoever. Anybody that wants to come, go ahead and do that. Um, one, of, one of our leaders, one of our good friends, Dan Tace, is going to um, voice that prayer for us. Father. We are thankful for our brother Chris. We are thankful for how you've used him at North Point in this last 11 and a half years. Lord, we're thankful for what a tremendous man of God he is, how he is faithful to you, how he's an obedient servant. And we are just so appreciative of the blessing that you brought through North Point through Chris. Lord, you've called Chris to a new ministry, an exciting ministry that we know he's excited about. We ask that you would bless him, that you would protect him, that you would encourage him, and that, like here, he would bring your word to the business world. Yeah. We just ask that you would bless him in all that he does. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Would you express your appreciation, Chris, one more time?
and if you would, uh, be, sure and, be sure and sign that plaque, write Chris a note, that, that will be really meaningful. Um, we finished the series today, but I want to, before we jump into the message with, with uh, Doug in just a second, I want to let you know about the new series that starts next week, because I'm, I'm just really jazzed about it. The name of the series is Disappointed, um, and, this, and the messages are, are going to deal with being disappointed with your spouse or your kids, or uh, that's one of the messages, the relationships, that's next week. So if you're disappointed with your spouse, come next week. Um, <laughs> if your spouse comes to church, look out, uh, or your kids, any of that stuff. We're going to be talking about disappointed with your job, disappointed with your church, disappointed with God, because uh, we all kind of go through that at different times. So jazzed about that. Today, um, we're really excited to have with us an old friend, uh, Doug Rutledge, the, the grand poobah of Crossroad Farms, um, he'll, he'll share that. Um, Doug's going to do the podcast right after the service today, so if you've got the North Point app, be sure and take that out. Write questions for, uh, that you have for Doug, questions about the message, and, uh, and we'll use those uh, just right after second service today when we film. Uh, Dawn's here as well. Dawn, wave your hand. Woo! Yay, Dawn. Good. Um, would you welcome, please, Doug Rutledge. I had, I had to find the on-off switch, and it's uh, behind my back, and I'm not that skilled, so I hope you can hear me. Can you hear me? Great. Fantastic. Um, and by the way, I apologize for the Toronto Maple Leafs insignia that's just blazing in your faces. Uh, I will get an appropriate Michigan State. Uh, Ohio State doesn't need my support, really. Really don't. But God judged them. <laughs> just... I'm going to say, God has judged Ohio State along with Michigan. And Michigan State, I think we win in both cases. So the bowl season is over, and we didn't have to suffer the embarrassment of either of those losses. That's just jealousy speaking, Rick. Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me back. I hope uh, you're doing well. You've made it in. So um, I hope you didn't hit my dog sled out there. We came in uh, just last night, and uh, it, was, it was actually fine. We enjoyed being uh, here last night a little bit, getting ready, came in this morning. Uh, I, so I'm Doug, and if you're new, I'm still Doug. If you're old, I'm still Doug. I don't change my name for new people or old people. Although I might start changing my name. I am an old friend. I might forget what I call myself. I did forget how old I was not too long ago. And the bummer is I made myself a year older than I actually was. For an entire year, I thought I was a year older. And that's, that's just a year you can't get back. That's all I'm saying. I was, I was just living older than I was. Um, today, we're going to talk about generosity. Now, I know if you hear somebody say that at the opening of a sermon, you probably grabbed your wallet just a little tighter, right? You're like, oh no, the appeal's coming. Um, I work with missionaries. I am a missionary. And so my missionary people will tell me it is so disheartening when you call someone to tell them about what God is doing in the ministry and they ghost you. And they ghost you for a real reason. They ghost you because they're afraid that you're going to ask for money. And in fairness, we probably are. But it's like, going into, uh, it's like going into, I don't know, American Eagle and clutching your wallet like they're just after my money. Guess what? They are. 
They really don't care if your pants fit. I mean, it's nice if they do, but they really don't care that much. They just, they want your money. And so a lot of times when you talk about something like generosity, there's a misnomer, there's a mis misconnection here. And it's this, that anyone who talks about generosity is secretly and subversively trying to get your money somehow. That's not it. That's not what generosity is. In fact, I'll start by saying this, that generosity is the attitude that determines benevolence. Let me say that again, that generosity is the attitude that determines benevolence. That means that if you don't have a generous spirit, you're not a benevolent person. Now you might drop uh, some money in an offering plate. You might give some money to a homeless person. You might take care of somebody who has some kind of thing that you think needs your help. But it requires generosity to be involved in true Christian charity. Today I'm more interested in teaching about Christian charity because scripture is loaded with it. And you can't claim to be a believer unless you understand that part of the gig of being a believer is to be like Jesus who gave everything. And all of a sudden people start clutching their wallets again. There it is, there's that line. I'm gonna make me feel guilty and I want you to know I will not make you feel guilty if you willfully give everything you have. No, I didn't mean today. I'll give you a couple weeks. No, I mean, I, the issue of giving is so scary because there are a million questions we have. There are a million issues that we talk about when we, we talk about giving. How do I know my money's gonna be used wisely? How do I know that they're gonna use it at all? How do I know that, that I can stop giving? Boy, if I get locked into this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be one of those people who has to keep on writing the check and I don't wanna do that. How do I stop codependence? How do I stop independence? How do I stop? And there are a million questions and, we, and they're real questions. So when we talk about generosity, I just wanna share two quick stories. The first happened when I was 18 years old. How many of you remember 18? How many of you are 18? Any 18-year-olds? All right. So how many of you remember 18 then? A few more. So, some of you are like, I have no idea. I passed it on the way to adulthood, and I've never looked back. Here's the deal. When I was 18 years old, I was sitting in a church service. We had a missionary come and speak. And by the way, I was always terrified about missionaries coming to speak because they had those slideshows and Sometimes they were boring slideshows. I know, I'm old. But slideshows, it was like video, only less movement. <laughs> and, 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 and far worse music. And so you'd watch the slideshow and you'd see pictures of people that you were supposed to feel sorry for, but honestly, you really didn't understand it at all. It wasn't your culture. And for some reason on that night, I felt God speak to me. And he said, Give. That was it, just give. I'm an 18-year-old kid. I've got my own car, and church is really good for two things. Number one, girls, and number two, going out to eat after church. That was the way I regarded it, but I heard God speak, and he said, give, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to. I'm gonna follow my heart, I'm going to obey God, and so I reached into my pocket, and I shouldn't have expected anything more, but there was one bill. That's how 18-year-olds travel, one bill. It's either a 100, a 10, or a one. But you have one, and I pulled it out to look at it because I wanted to see what God was asking, and he asked me for 20. Now, here's the deal. $20 is not a lot, but to an 18-year-old who's planning on going out after church, it's everything because my parents weren't going out with me, and I couldn't hit them up for money, and I couldn't ask my friends. 
And so I remember as the offering plate started making its rounds, you know how they used to do that? The offering plate would get closer and closer and closer, and then God would start speaking more and more and more, and the guilt would start raging more <laughs> until it. Our church does it differently. They have the offering plates at the back where people are holding them, kind of like beggars. And when you pass, I, I feel like every time I walk past the plate, I want to say, my wife does this in the mail. I want to say it every week. We, we've automatically deducted this, and I know you don't ever see it, and you don't really care, but I just it feels weird that you're standing there with a basket. And I remember as that plate got closer and closer, I started saying, oh, no, Lord, it's turn it into two tens. Turn it. And it was too late to go to the person next to me and go, can you break this for two tens? Because they were 18 too. And they're like, I am glad God didn't tell me to give something because I'm going out to eat after. And as the plate came, I dropped the 20 in the plate and it hurt. It hurt. Because I knew I wasn't going out to eat. And as an 18-year-old, I liked that. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think that story sticks in my head? Of all the stories that stick in a person's head, why does this one isolated incident that happened when I was 18 stick in my head? And I'll tell you the answer is because it didn't happen very often. The times that I gave to a sacrificial level were so rare that when I started to think about generosity, the story that came into my mind was not the, the hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of convenient gifts I gave, but instead the one that I could remember that was sacrificial. Now, I, I wanna just say this. We have given sacrificially later, and we've given often, but I want you to know that that stuck in my mind because as an 18-year-old, there was something that happened to me on that evening where I realized this is never my money. This is never my time. This is obedience or disobedience in the guise of a little paper bill. Let's start there. See, this Christianity thing is not about just making somebody happy. It's not about getting a better you or getting a better life. This is about emanating and emulating Jesus Christ. It's about looking more like him. What does he look like? And if the church of Jesus Christ started to look like him, I contend that there probably would be less of a need worldwide. Here's, uh, here's something that I, I wanna share with you, the assumption that I'll have another opportunity to give. By the way, every time an offering uh, goes by and you only have one bill, you think it's gonna come again, I'm gonna do this again, maybe next week, maybe next month. But the opportunity for obedience doesn't happen again like this. I get to obey, uh, obey right now. And so here's the, the assumption that I'll get an opportunity to give again is the voice of Satan. It, it counts on permanence. And here's what it is. He always urges procrastination in the disguise of wise thoughtfulness. He always, always gives us the idea of measured generosity in the disguise of stewardship. And he always gives us detachment from the need in the disguise of balance. It sounds like wisdom, but it's not. It's the opposite of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, to date, the biggest gift that Crossroads Farm ever received was a woman. It happened not too long ago. Um, we were in the process of building the prayer chapel. And I know uh, giving to buildings is a different sort of thing. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people, some people think you, you have too many buildings. or We don't. But I know this, that building the prayer chapel struck something in her heart. And she began to say an interesting prayer. She didn't say, Lord, how much should I give? What she prayed instead is, Lord, give me something to give. That's what she prayed because she wasn't a wealthy woman. And the idea of a chapel committed to people praying for rural teenagers across the country was so compelling to her that she began to pray that God would do a miracle that would allow her to give an extraordinary amount. And she came in and she said, I'm so excited. I, I, ha I have to tell you, I'm selling my house. She said, you know, I've played with this idea for a long time, but she said, it's just me. I don't have any family. I don't, and I, I'm, I'm getting older and I really, I want to be in a place where someone can, can help me. And so I'm moving somewhere and, um, and I realized that the only thing I really have is my house. I'm going to tell you, when somebody tells you I'm selling my house and you know that there's a tail end on this where she's going to give something because of that, I, I felt incredible responsibility. And I'm not urging that you go home and sell your house. What I'm saying is that for her, she prayed that God would give her something incredible to give. And then God enlightened her. She went back and she sold the only real possession she had. And she came in and donated everything above what it cost her. A lot. I'm not gonna give you the amount. Would I give to the Lord that which cost me nothing? That was David. When he could have made a sacrifice, he could have given, and, and someone else said, hey, I'll step in and pay for it. I'll take care of it. And he said, I, I, I won't do that. I can't give to the Lord that which cost me nothing. It's amazing that Satan knows exactly where to hit us and how to hit us. I remember early on at Crossroads as we were beginning, and I'd love to give you an update. I, I, this is one of those sermons I just don't have a lot of time in. So I, I will tell you, God is moving. God's doing incredible things. We're doing our winter retreat in a couple weeks too. We're excited about it. And uh, we are operating three full branches right now. The directorship at the shed is one of the reasons I can be with you so often. Uh, a godly man and a young woman, uh, Janelle and Jack, you can pray for them. Up in uh, Kalkaska, Joe and Jerry are driving that ministry forward. And uh, in Caddis, uh, Harrison County, Ohio, um, Luke and uh, Carrie are running that ministry. And we are going to add a fourth within about two and a half, three years. As soon as Jabin arrives, and we're looking at a place called Rosebud County in Montana. Uh, another businessman came and talked to us because we'd prayed and God said, I think you're gonna do five. He didn't say, I think, we did. And, uh, and so we just had a business person come, second person from an area who said, God needs to place one of these in, in Wisconsin and will help. God is moving, God's doing incredible things. Let me get back to this. Early on, as CRF was starting, there was a lot of question about whether or not we were going to make it. It didn't change the fact that we needed cash flow to do that. 
you, you still, you know, whether it's hopeful optimism or whatever, it, it required some funding. And we didn't have funding. And I'll never forget, we had a church that said, we want to step into the gap. Now, it was not you guys. You guys did step into the gap. And I'll say, that it was exciting. And uh, the director of mission said, can you send me a copy of your budget? So I did. I sent a copy of the budget. And then uh, I didn't hear anything back from them. So I checked in again. And it was a church that we had some connection with. And I checked in again and said, is there anything else you need from us? And he said, well, I need a copy of your budget. And I said, I thought I'd sent that to you. And he said, well, I, I mean, you know, I tried again. So I did again. I did that four times, continued to send a copy of the budget. And I, I didn't understand it because it was taking forever. And so uh, we arranged to have lunch. And I met with, with uh, the director and I met with somebody else. And, and I said, I just don't understand what you're asking for. You keep on asking me for a budget and I keep on supplying it. And then you tell me that's not it. What are you, what are you really looking for? The other person was a businessman and he said, oh, I think I know what the problem is. We're not asking for a budget. We're asking for your financial records. We were two years old. And I said, oh, you realize the difference, right? One is looking for a track record that they can give into. One is looking for proof that we're valid and reliable. That's a financial record. When I'm asking for it, and I'm not saying it's bad, but when I'm saying that that is, this, that is the, the way we determine if we give is how well we've done, then there are a lot of ministries and a lot of people that will never, ever earn our help. We're going to talk about that word in a minute. If I ask what your budget is and you tell me what you're hopefully wishing that God would do, and every business knows what it's like to write a budget, you write a budget, you have some guidelines, you have some hopes, you have some things you think God is going to do. I was excited because a ministry was asking us for our budget that they could feed into. What that meant is that they wanted to step into a projected need. They weren't asking for that. They were asking to be safe. Giving shouldn't be. After giving something to God, I'm no longer accountable for it. Your blessing is based on your giving, not what others do with the gift. A guy named Ed Cole said that. It was a brilliant statement. I talked to a millionaire and I said, how do you, how do you give? And he said this. He said, I give as God tells me because it's not my responsibility to determine how it's spent. It is my responsibility to be obedient to give. God didn't ask me to oversee. He asked me to supply need. It's a powerful statement. Listen to this, John 3, 1, because there's a contrast that I'm gonna highlight here. John 3, 1 says this, see what great love the Father has, get this word, has lavished on us. In fact, as I start reading about the nature of God, the nature of Christ, I realize the words used are exorbitant words. They're huge words. They're generous words. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I want to tell you that I appreciate the relationship we have because I feel this church lavishes on us and actually doesn't expect us to spend like some churches do. I remember early on, we got all kinds of donations, and I will tell you that not all donations are equal. Sometimes you got stuff and you were thinking, what were they thinking? One of my angriest moments was when somebody donated clothing for my kids, but all the clothes that were kind of cool, 
didn't work. Like there was a Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt, and if you pushed Winnie the Pooh, he was supposed to say something, but I don't know what he said because he was given to those poor missionary kids, so I don't know what Winnie the Pooh was supposed to say. And I was angry because I said, God, here we are serving, and somebody thinks that what that merits is your throwaway. I remember I came into the barn one day, and somebody had dropped off a load of, of donations, and they were very valuable. One of them was a broken rowing machine. And I thought, man, I have been doing youth for a long time. And I will tell you, there is nothing that kids like better than busted down old person equipment. That is great. It's like a busted vacuum or a broken car. or You know, it's funny that God lavishes, but we don't think that's our responsibility. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Do you notice the transference here? Are we lavishing on other people? The reason the world doesn't know us is it didn't know him. And maybe we don't show them him the way he's used to being shown. My response to the passage is that as God lavished love, it wasn't just love, but provision and beauty and experience that God has given us fellowship that we can embrace, that God has promised us heaven that is eternal. But this is more than just heaven. And I've got to move forward. Listen to this. It's God's nature to be abundant and to lavish. Is it yours? It's his. And we're to look like him. Here's what it says in Psalm 5-7. But I... Through the abundance of your steadfast love will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Abundance, the abundant life, the lavished gift. Here are a couple of questions and I'm gonna do something dangerous because I'm gonna let you talk for just a second to each other. Answer this question. Is it possible that all uh, all generosity can only come from a position of contentment? Is it possible that all generosity can only come from a position of contentment? Go ahead, talk to each other for a second. Some of you are afraid, right? I don't know, it's a trap. He's got an answer written up there. Well, here's the deal. Generosity, again, being the attitude that drives benevolence, it it does dictate that generosity sometimes can come from other means. But I will tell you this, that most most generosity is driven when I'm in a place of contentment. That means that I'm not just satisfied. That's a bad word. It's not just about being satisfied, but it's that I'm content with what God has given me that I understand why he's given it to me and I'm okay with whatever he asks me to do with it. Here's what I want you to gain here, that sometimes my generosity comes from a place that I want to gain something from. Not often, but sometimes. I want recognition, I want to be noticed, I, I want some effect. That's not generosity, that's called investment. Let me just walk us through this. A lack of generosity is actually a a symptom of a lack of involvement, intimacy, and love. How do I know that? 
Well, here's how I know it. Every movie in the world talks about it. You know when the cowboy walks into the bar? It's not a bad joke, just hang on. <laughs> cowboy walks into a bar and he slides up to the bartender and the bartender pours him a whiskey. I am not condoning whiskey. But he pours him a whiskey and then the cowboy says, no, I want the, what? Good stuff. I want the good stuff. It's reserved for only a certain type of person, the right person, the guy that looks like he deserves it. Or how about this? Have you ever had somebody over to your house and you pull out the good plates or dishes or china? That's not for everybody. You don't bring a bunch of sixth grade junior high boys over for a hot dog night and pull out the china because that stuff's going to get broken. No, you, you reserve that for people who are impressed by china. Or maybe you reserve the best seat for somebody you really like. Have you ever saved a seat for somebody? Of course, we all went to school. They're like, no, saved. Buses were really important. You couldn't just give this seat to anybody because the smelly could, could, could sit there, right? My seat is reserved. We reserve our best, and it is a symptom of our generosity when I give the best, when I offer the best, when I want. You know how I know that? Because my wife and I will go out to dinner, and sometimes I order exactly the right thing, and I am loving it. And then she said, can I taste it? And I think you had an entire 23 minutes to order your own. <laughs> Here's the truth. I will give her a bite. Sometimes I give her the big honking piece of crab and it hurts me because she ordered something that I don't want or I'd have ordered it. It's love expressed in generosity. There are two opposing views and I've got to hustle through this, but just bear with me. There are two opposing views of generosity. One is self-reliance and the other is faithfulness to God. They're in opposition to each other. Here's how they play out. I either have a renting mentality or I have an investing mentality. Now, we live in a day and an age, and I don't want to, to go too far down this road, but we live in a day and an age where investment is supposed to be the way we live. That's how I make wise investments. I'm smart. I remember uh, people told me, never rent, never rent. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. And I, I remember living by that. Oh, I shouldn't rent. I should only buy what I can afford. But I realized I couldn't live in the places I could afford because they didn't exist. <laughs> Self-reliance says this. Self-reliance says that I'm looking for a return on my investment. Now, hang on. I'm going to connect this to God's word. Renting says I'm okay with less because this is not my permanent residence. I don't buy the same stuff. I don't clutter my apartment with stuff that I'm not intending to move out into a permanent residence. Here's what scripture says. It says, now we know that if er this earthly tent that we live in is dismantled, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built with, ha with human hands. It says, for in this tent we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. So verse four, while we are in this tent, we groan under our burdens. I want you to hear this. We groan under our burdens because we do not wish to be unclothed, but clothed, so that our mortality may be swallowed up by 
life. And God has prepared us for this very purpose. Here's what I want you to hear. That a human mentality is that this is all we get. And so we store it up and we try and make this heaven. But God's economy is that this is not heaven. And these tents that we live in are just temporary. I don't have forever. And I don't have this $20 in my pocket forever. And I don't have tomorrow necessarily. And I don't have the opportunity to respond to need. Generosity is an eternal perspective on temporal things like gold, time, and talents. The second is stewardship versus owning. Stewardship versus owning. And again, we, we sort of think, well, ownership is the way that I can, you know, I can take care of myself. Here it is. The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager? This is in Luke chapter 12. Whose master put him in charge of his servants to give them their portion at the proper time? Don't miss this. We have a responsibility to help those who are serving God. I want you to look around this room. You are all servants of the living God. And it is a responsibility of everyone sitting in this room claiming to be a believer with an eternal perspective to aid the other people in this room. That's a monetary statement. It means that there shouldn't be the same need, but we've gotten so used to having so much that we give out of a convenience. It's mine and it's not. It's not, not, not mine. Verse 45 says, but suppose that servant says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming. He's not coming today. <laughs> I need this for today. I just imagine back to a $20 bill in my pocket. And if the Lord had returned on that evening before we ever got a chance to go out to dinner, I'd have been taken to heaven and the $20 would have stayed in my pants that I'm assuming would stay on earth too. It's funny, isn't it? We think temporary things matter until they don't. This is uh, the next part, meeting need versus detached giving. By the way, don't mistake the generosity of your church's missions program to be the same thing as personal generosity. You're not responsible for how everybody spends what you give, and it could be food, or it could be cleaning supplies, or it could be something else. It could be dinner at your home. It could be a friendship. But we are stingy with what is temporary, like time and gold and energy. And God is coming soon. Jesus Christ will come again and he'll judge us for us. L listen to this. It's a powerful, powerful verse. It's found in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 8, verses 13 through 15, but I'm gonna jump ahead. I'm gonna go to Acts chapter 20, verse 35. There's a whole lead in, but it says this, verse 35. In everything, I showed you by this kind of hard work that we must help. The word help isn't the word generic. The word help means specifically aware to the extent of the completion 
of a need. Help. Not a part of the solution, the entire solution. You know what the rest of this passage is? Let me read it to you because you know it. It says, the weak remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. The word give there, similar to the word help prior. Jesus wants us to live differently, to live lavishly, to give completely, because joy happens. Now you can give other ways. You remember Christmas was just here and you probably had some people on your list that you gave gifts to but you weren't all excited about because you didn't have the relationship with them. God desires the relationship that demands the generosity. It's investment. It's heart. It's knowing what's going on. Thank you for being invested in our ministry. Thank you for knowing what's going on in our ministry. Thank you for inviting me to come here and, and yell about giving to you. <laughs> I hope you don't think that is what I'm doing. Can I, uh, can I show you a funny video? Because this has been heavy. And I want you to know, some of you are gonna think it swears, it does not. But just for the sake of listen, listen carefully and watch this video for just a couple minutes. Hello, I'm Charles Daniels. For years, we've been taking you to villages like this and showing you the heartbreak of families whose only mistake was being born poor. They need your help. And for only 39 cents a day, you can provide water, food, and medicine for these people. Just 39 cents. That's less than a small cup of coffee, but it can make all the difference in the world to the people of this village. Ask for more. Sorry. Ask for more money. Why are you starting so low? As you can see, these villagers are desperate for your help. So don't hesitate. Pick up the phone. Yo, what they shooting? Commercial song. A word? Dial the number and send over 39 cents. That's all we need. Start higher! I know, right? 39 cents may not sound like a lot, but it can mean so much to these families. It's not even a round number. Like, if he said a dollar, I could see how he got this. Yeah, but you know they always trying to take away a pity to make it sound like less. I get that. I'm just saying, why not start at 99 cents? 39 cents. That's all these people need to survive. And they'd be so, so lucky and appreciative to get it. So for the price of a cup of coffee... Who did? Talk about all they need to say is the bare minimum to keep us alive. We're not asking for the bare minimum. This number has been decided by very educated and caring people who can save your lives. Hey. How? How you gonna save our lives with only 39 cents? Because I'm trying to do the math in my head, but I just can't see it. 39 cents is plenty. He keeps saying 39 cents. Why he keeps saying 39 cents? For the price of a cup of coffee. Why it can't be the price of an Arizona iced tea? They 99 cents. Because it's not the price of an Arizona. It's got to be coffee. It don't, though. Plus, coffee is way more expensive than 39 cents. It's 39 cents. You know, for a starving village, you people have a lot of energy. Maybe people should send their checks someplace else. Oh, so you asking for a check? Yo, why would you ask for a check? You settle for a check. It's got to be a check, okay? It don't, though. Here's your coffee and your change, Mr. Daniels. Perfect timing, Valerie. Hey, I white love lady. it. Hey, how much was that coffee? 
It doesn't matter. I bet you don't even know what country you in. I do know what country I'm in. What, 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 what country you in? What country you in? Africa. All right, look. You know, it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. We want to give in a way that doesn't impact our lives at all. It's, it's sad how true this appeal actually is for the minimum amount, a small cup of coffee, you can, you can save a life. And the truth is that never motivated me to do anything. Ask me to give my life. Ask me to give everything. Ask me to give my time and my energy because I serve a God that is infinite and sees it all and expects it all. Ask me to live in a way that mirrors his generosity. Ask me in a way to give more to a point where it hurts, to a point where I feel that I'm part of a solution, not just my solution, but his. And I've got news for you. Whatever we give, is not about making this place better. Whatever we give is an obedience to God about allowing him to speak to our hearts. Can I ask you, there are a million questions. There's so much need, how do I know when to stop? Let God tell you. If I, if I get invested I'm, I'm never going to be able to stop without a guilty conscience, then don't stop. What does it take to inspire the people of God to give universally more than we have a right to expect that God's given us? Let me give you a couple things that I want you to do after you've asked yourself those questions. Number one, what could you give that is valid because of its pain. I wouldn't give to God that which cost me nothing. Second of all, have somebody over to dinner or lunch or spend time with them because time is our most valuable commodity these days and invest there. Not just one time, but invest in a relationship. Share Jesus with them. Become part of the solution in their daily life, not a part of a solution for their momentary life. Volunteer. National statistics tell us that only 30% of all believers claim to volunteer anywhere. Our time is not ours. Our goal is not to save because this world is temporary and heaven is our reward God is our judge who has lavished himself on us. Let me pray for you. Lord God, this morning I thank you for your generosity to us. We, we deserve nothing. Thank you for lavishing love, for giving us your son, for providing your gifts, for showing us your heart. Lord, change our hearts one day at a time. Let us lavish on other people the love that you've given to us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. out there. We'll see you guys next Sunday.